Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM, WFAN, New York. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf Sports Edge. I'm your host, Rick Wolf. Now, last Sunday, we had, well, just a delightful respite into the world of sports parenting and ice hockey. It was just great fun to talk with Rich Cohen, the author of Pee Wee's Confessions of a Hockey Parent. And as I said on last week's show, you know, if you're a sports parent, Pee Wee's is just a flat-out terrific read. I know that book's about Rich Cohen's experience with his son uh, in ice hockey, but trust me, the the insights, the humor, the lessons, uh, the the anguish that parents go through makes no difference whether it's ice hockey, soccer, basketball, baseball, uh, lacrosse, you name it. It's, it's the same kind of experiences that we all go through. And again, if you haven't had a chance to pick up a copy, I, I tell you, this is going to be considered the book about what it's like to be a sports parent uh, during our times. Okay, but this week, well, look, we're coming up on a full year of the pandemic. And once again, we're back in the middle of all sorts of starts and stops. And, and quite frankly, the confusion continues when it comes to high school sports. But here's the one thing that that stands out. The simple reality is that high school sports around here, for the most part, are pressing onward, despite a world where COVID is still all around us. As we know, the, the pro leagues continue to struggle with COVID infections, and the same at the collegiate level. But the pros and colleges, well, they're still moving ahead. And then this past Thursday, the Ivy League, they announced that that they were going to cancel all sports for the coming spring season. 
the Ivy League, uh, the presidents, uh, they were they're unified in this. And they, they cited the same concerns regarding safety and their student athletes when it comes to containing the spread of COVID. So this spring, once, just like last year, no spring sports in the Ivy League. Now, again, it was a year ago the Ivy League was, did this, and they canceled all their winter and spring sports, and now they're doing it again. It's it's got to be unbelievably frustrating if you are an athlete, a serious athlete in the Ivy League, and you know that you're not going to have a chance to play spring sports. And I really do feel for all those athletes. Uh, as you may know, uh, there is no red shirting in the Ivy League. And at this point, I don't know if this new ruling is going to cost these athletes yet another year of, uh, of uh, athletic eligibility. Uh, but I should also point out that, as you might imagine, there are a lot of Ivy League athletes who are not happy with this decision. But on another level, back closer to home, as I mentioned, high school sports, especially in the suburban areas around here, are quietly and tentatively moving forward. Yes, there are shortened seasons. Yes, there are protocols and stipulations regarding the games, including how many people can attend the events. But the bottom line is that high school athletes are back competing. And this past week, perhaps the, the highest risk of all high school sports, wrestling, is now being allowed back in New York State. Yeah, the high school wrestlers have to wear face masks when competing in the match, as do the referees and the coaches who are working the, the, the wrestling events. But honestly, I don't know how this is going to work or how a wrestler prevents a, a face mask from sliding down one's face when grappling uh, with an opponent. But as we all know, kids are also wearing masks when they're playing high school basketball, and I'm sure the wrestlers are, are extremely eager to go out and do and compete in their sport as well. So my question is, it doesn't seem to make sense. Why is the Ivy League canceling sports for the spring while at the high school level more and more athletic programs are moving ahead? My sense of all this? Well, quite, I don't have a, a I, don't, I really can't pinpoint any particular uh, data or research except to say it's because I think the high school athletes and their parents have basically willed this to happen. That in effect, the kids are so eager to go back and play, they say to their parents on a daily basis that, look, I'm feeling good. And besides, even if I do have the virus, it doesn't really bother me. As for the moms and dads at home, well, they've been waiting very, very patiently as well, and they see that their kids aren't infecting them at home. So from the parents' perspective, and because they don't have any, any answers for their kids, well, why not move ahead? Yeah, we'll follow the protocols. We've been doing that for a year, but enough already. Let's go. Now, I, all, I know all of this sounds very odd, <laughs> but let's face it. This entire past year has been very odd. So the question at the local high school level, has the time for all schools and ADs just to say, yes, let's just move ahead with all sports. We'll do it very carefully. We'll follow the safety protocols and temperature checks and, and COVID tests and so on. But since the number of kids are getting sick and dying from this disease is so low, the time has come to move ahead. And, and I, that's what's happening. Now, let's be, let's be candid here. The real concern has always been about the parents, the coaches, the referees, the umpires, and so on. It seems that they, the parents of the high school kids, you know, they're willing to take the risk. So for better or for worse, 
and that's that's the that's that's the the phrase I'm going to use for better or for worse high school sports are happening or they're close to happening regardless of the sport is a low or a medium or a high risk sport so I just mentioned wrestling is happening so this is all good news right but why do I also get the sense that this this celebratory moment it's kind of muted well, quite frankly, because the virus is still here. It's still all around us. And schools and teachers and coaches still have to deal with its presence. For example, you might have read the other day that Manhasset High School out in Long Island, they just shut down all of their winter sports programs due to 38 kids uh, being affected. So this is still, uh, as I said, still starts and stops and so on and so forth. This kind of thing is happening, and unfortunately, it's probably going to continue to happen until everybody is inoculated with the vaccine. So again, it just seems to me that for better or for worse, it's the voice of the American sports parents that have been heard, and they have basically pushed this through, uh, through their local school districts, their school boards, their athletic directors, because they want their kids playing high school sports. And I've heard from you, you know, from uh, Twitter and email and stuff, that a lot has to do with the fact that parents are now concerned that with their high school athletes at home, not playing sports, the, the, there's a tremendous amount of stress and strain uh, on, on terms of their mental uh, you know, outlook. That, quite frankly, we're dealing with kids who are depressed. They want to go out and go back to their normal lives again. And that's very, very understandable. And quite frankly, it, it, it's, I'm sure it's true. But again, it's, that's, this whole disease, as we know, it tends to have much more of an of a impact depending on one's age and overall health. The young people, the teenagers who play high school sports, you know, they're less susceptible to this disease. It's the older people, people over the age of 40 or 50, they're the ones who remain skittish. Now, I'm not going to take a, a, a position on all this about whether it's smart or not smart to move ahead. I want to hear from you. So, are you good with high school sports and their athletes now returning to action? Or would you rather just wait and postpone sports again like the Ivy League did? And by the way, I wouldn't be surprised if we see other college conferences following the same footsteps of, as the Ivy League. Now, just again, we know the Big Five, you know, the, you know, the, uh, the SEC, the Big Ten, uh, Pac-12, they obviously have all deep pockets to test their athletes on a regular basis. But then again, the Ivy League has deep pockets, too. I mean, they have a lot of money as well uh, with their endowments. And obviously, if they wanted to go and say, we want to test our athletes on, our, on an everyday basis, they could certainly do that. And again, I, I know you guys say, well, Ivy League isn't exactly Big Ten. But again, let's not lose track of the fact that, that there are a number, dozens of, of, of Ivy League athletes who go on to professional careers in baseball and football, basketball. There are a lot of really top athletes in the Ivy League, and this is having a direct impact. Uh, you know, there, we're now seeing kids graduate from the Ivy League and, and going off and playing someplace else in a graduate program because they still want to compete. Uh, the first name that comes to mind, of course, is uh, Mike Smith. The, the, the star point guard for the University of Michigan basketball. Mike Smith was a terrific all-Ivy player at Columbia last year uh, and played his entire career at Columbia, and now he's at Michigan finishing out his career. one 337 6666 I'm eager to get your thoughts about this because it's, it's something that we're going to have to deal with if you are an athlete uh, and you are a sports parent. It's like good news, 
but it's good news with a real sort of caveat, a real caution. And if you had to vote today, would you allow high school sports to start up? Or is that question at this point now become just sort of a moot one? I mean, we all know that uh, this is still here, this COVID. And of course, I do want to point out, and I don't probably not mention this enough, but we also know that besides the high school sports, the travel and club teams they're going full speed ahead and have been playing for some months now. Yeah, the most of these programs, the club and travel programs, they're following safety protocols too. But again, it's up to the sports parents whose kids play in these elite teams to be very, very watchful all over this. All right, 877-337-6666. Let's start our conversation uh, with Ed uh, over in New Jersey. Ed, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning, Rick. How you doing? I'm cold, Ed. How are you? Good. Well, how about this? How about they started college baseball already this weekend? How's that sound? <laughs> First off, Rick, before, before I speak about this, yes. I want to say congratulations to Anthony DeFabia. Anthony DeFabia is a freshman at Stetson University. Yep. He, pitched, he played baseball at Iona Prep. Mm-hmm. He had his first college start yesterday through a complete game three-hit shutout. And wow. the reason why I bring that up, his father, Jerry, played for me when I was an assistant baseball coach at Fairleigh Dickinson University. Oh, that's so, great. Uh, okay. I, got, I got to watch the game last night on the computer. What a great job he did as a freshman. That's, that's impressive, the first game to throw a three-hit shutout. Terrific. But yeah. again, you know, as, as you know, everybody, it's a free-for-all. Here's the Ivy League saying, we're not going to have any sports this spring. Uh, and over here's, you know, kids playing baseball and, and pitching a shutout uh, down south. It's extraordinary. It's just amazing. Well, here, here's what I'm going to tell you about that, Rick. Before I knew what your topic was, I spoke with a friend of mine, Ryan Wheeler, the assistant baseball coach over at St. Joe's University in Philadelphia. Yep. Uh, because, again, we're in a couple events at his college and all that stuff. Here's the issue. The, the AD at, uh, at UPenn, not only is she controlling, like, uh, being a big state for the uh, Ivy League, she's controlling the NCAA dead period. They just pushed the NCAA dead period for recruiting to, to May 31st. Mm-hmm. And from what, I, from what I'm gathering is a lot of the big conferences, like the Power Fight and all that stuff, they are getting fed up with this because they feel they want to get out and recruit players. And not only the Power Fight, but the other conferences, they want to get out and recruit players. They, they're they're getting, kind of getting fed up of watching uh, live stream events and all that to, to, to try to evaluate players. And it's funny, we, I had a Zoom call with my team the other day. It's going to be a tough recruiting year again for the 2022 graduates coming up. Correct. Because, again, it's, because you look at some of the rosters, uh, Stetson University's roster has 47 players. <laughs> but that's all backloaded with, with transfers that, that have come in from other schools for their fifth year and all that. And it's, it is total chaos. It's unprecedented. Uh, you mentioned two issues here about the recruiting. Uh, and I do know that in, in talking to sports parents whose kids are in high school now and have lost valuable time because they're saying, look, uh, I do want my kid to have a chance to play ball uh, in college and, and to pursue it and maybe get a scholarship. But if they, they can't play at the high school level, how in the heck are, are college coaches going to see any video or see them in person? It's just, it's just not fair. 
uh, and we've waited patiently, and now our kids are, are being penalized. And the second part of this, well, as, you know, you said, you know, as you said, you know, the, the kids are now being backlogged at, at the college level, and the rosters are beginning to expand and bloating because the kids who were supposed to have graduated are back to play another year. It, it's, it's really just uh, it's devastating if you have a kid who's a sophomore or junior or senior in high school as to what, how you're going to figure this out. Well, you know what's amazing, Rick? I got, I, you know, we got uh, with my travel team. We work out every Sunday. Starting next week, I, I, we're starting to film our players so we can get video out to the colleges and all that. Yeah. But again, the, the college coaches have said thank you for the video, but we want to see them in a game type situation. Yeah. So, uh, you and know, I, I I think it's going to work out really well in New Jersey because I talked to a few high school coaches, especially the elite high school coaches. They're, they're, they're prepared to do anything they can to keep keep the safety a big factor so they can get their season going on. Plus, in New Jersey, they're starting play uh, the week week of April 19th. So, again, hopefully with the warm weather and that, that the virus will, will slowly uh, sl- will, will start slowing down also, which will alleviate the uh, the. Uh, people uh, catching COVID-19. I, I hear you, Ed, and, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll obviously keep our fingers crossed, and as always, thanks for the call. Uh, yeah, this is the concern. I mean, we're talking about this backlog of, of the, the fever, uh, the feverish parents and kids who want to go out and play and, and show their stuff and maybe get on the, the radar of college coaches. Uh, it'd be great, obviously, if we can just have the smooth transition, not just for baseball, but for lacrosse, softball, all the spring sports, so the kids can get back to feeling like they're living a normal life as high school student athletes. Uh, again, there are going to be concerns. The Ivy League has not suggested or given any guidelines as to what happens to eligibility for their, their, their current athletes, whether they get another year of eligibility. I don't know how that's going to play out. And again, I don't know if other conferences are going to follow suit from the Ivy League, but I'm telling you, it, it's, it all has it all sort of filters back to the high school level because, you know, kids want to show college coaches their stuff. College coaches, understandably, want to see the kids in person as opposed to just watching video, which can be obviously, you know, cut and paste to, to just show, uh, you know, short clips of just kids and highlights. Kid, coach, If I'm a college coach, I want to see the kid in person and see how the kid performs in front of me. But, you know, that's why these games are going to be taking place. I think the parents are basically, you know, convinced the athletic directors and school boards are saying we have to move ahead. We, we have, we'll take the risk and we'll, we'll hope for the best and, and see what happens. All right, let me, let me take a timeout. I want to get more thoughts and comments about this. If you are watching all this as a sports parent and you have to make a decision with your youngster, are you good with this, with high school sports starting up, even though we're surrounded with all these headlines of, of uh, more COVID concerns uh, with the NBA, with Major League Baseball, with, with NFL, you, you name it, all the pro sports, NHL, all are having these problems, uh, and, of course, at the collegiate level as well. one 337 Welcome back to the Sports Edge. We're talking this morning about uh, the fact that high school sports, for the most part in this area, are back and, and running again, obviously with with restricted scheduling and, and a lot of safety precautions and so on and so forth. Uh, we all know 
it's been a year of huge anguish uh, and crushing disappointment and, and real confusion uh, for all of our high school athletes and, uh, you know, for their parents, too. I mean, a lot. let's be honest, there have been a lot of dashed uh, dreams for kids and their moms and dads when it comes to losing a year of sports. Uh, and again, we're, the, the, my sense is, at the end of the day, the, the truth is there, there's been so little, so little direction or guidance being provided by the authorities at the top levels of uh, the state or federal government that the parents of high school athletes, well, they're home every day looking at their kids who appear to be physically healthy and strong uh, and who have spent months and months cooped up at home and not being able to compete in their high school sport uh, because of COVID concerns. And the parents have basically said, in effect, they've, they've leaned on their local communities and have banded together and said, look, let's do this. Let's, let's, let, let's let our kids play. We know there's a risk. We know there's a risk, but we will abide by all the various uh, protocols. And uh, if there is a problem, we'll shut it down. But let's let the kids take that chance because we know that uh, we know so little about this disease, but we do know that for the most part, most young people are not affected, even if they do get the disease. Yes, I know, of course, that, that they become carriers. But again, the parents are saying we can't let our kids lose these, these valuable years of their high school sporting career. And that's what's going on. 877-337-6666. That is our number. Let's go to Anthony up in Yorktown Heights. Uh, good morning, Anthony. You're on the fan. Good morning, Rick. I'm a basketball official, Section 1. Yep. You know, there's the third team on the floor most people don't realize. And it's a risk for the officials, too. I mean, Absolutely. Each- Eighty sure. percent of the officials, basketball officials, have opted out. Yes, and it's a natural concern—concern concern about getting sick, having to quarantine for ten days, and put their lives on hold if one of the student athletes turns positive. I mean, there's a national shortage of officials to begin with. The average age of a boys' high school basketball official nationally is 58 years old. Mm-hmm. So we've got a three-week season. It's compressed about 12 games. Per team, they're playing every day, including Sundays, and we're trying to get these games covered. I mean, we love the game. People don't realize we played the game. We want to be around it, and we're thinking about the seniors. But, you know, it's a different world. We're wearing masks. We don't have locker rooms. We have to arrive dressed. We're using electronic whistles, and we're concerned, too. Anthony, uh, you know, again, I'm glad you called in this morning because this is the, 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 the factor that I think a lot of the parents – uh, don't often consider that, yeah, okay, we finally got our kids a chance to go back to practice and to compete in the games, but the referees, the officials, the umpires, the ones who work these, I mean, work these games, uh, they, as you said, most of them skew older, they're concerned, and a lot of them have opted out not to do this. What is going to happen? With, in, uh, are the athletic directors, are they going to have a difficult time getting referees to work the games? And if they do, how are they going to find substitutes? Well, what's going on is the officials that are working right now are soldiers. I mean, we're working every day. Many of us are working multiple games per day just to get these games covered. We're doing double headers where we'll do a varsity game and a JV game. And we're trying our best, but it's it's not easy. But, I mean, are there, what happens if there aren't just are not enough numbers around? I mean, do, do, are the ADs, what's plan B? Do they say, well, we'll just, uh, you know, let, uh, you know, hire some, uh, I don't know, um, some college kids to referee the games? I mean, oh, how- they're, they're scrambling. They're, I've had, I think, nine game day and time changes yeah. on my schedule in the last five days trying to find, fit in a game to a slot where you can get two officials. 
it's 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 again uh, i'm so glad you you called in this morning to remind us of the fact that this is not just a matter of getting kids back in uniform it has to do with the referees and officials and you of course you work basketball yeah. but this is all sports this is all sports right. it's it's, it's right. a real concern and um yeah it is a major major concern uh, i just want to check in you know without us it's just pickup so <laughs> <laughs> Keep up in mind too. Anthony, I hear you loud and clear. Thank you for for chiming in this morning. And he's right. I mean, it, the fact is, if there aren't any officials there, yeah, it goes back to just being a pickup game. And I was thinking about this. Well, if they can't get enough refs, did they then reach out to uh, you know college kids who played basketball, you know, in high school, and and they're available to come and work these games? Can college kids may not have the training, obviously, as as referees, but at least it's a little, it's a sort of a, something a little higher than pickup but again it's just we're reliant upon having these systems in place and again the officials referees umpires that work our kids games they never get enough respect and it's as simple as that let's go to uh let's go over to jack smithland over in Farallon. jack good morning what i know i have a pretty good idea you're going to tell me that this is foolish about having high school sports start up again but let's face it we've talked about this you know the parents want this to happen and you know it is their kids and at the end of the day it is a parental decision whether they want their kid to go back and compete. Hey, you know, Rick, you're absolutely right. You know, it, it is a parent's game. It's not the kid's game, you know. Um, and the funny thing is that you, you, you talked about is that, you know, ADs don't want the pressure of these parents, you know, because these parents are putting pressures on them. And, you know, and we've talked about this in the past that there are so many ADs out there that, you know, when it becomes a, a parent-coach situation, they always side with the parent because they don't want the, the aggravation of a lawsuit or something like that, you know, which is not fair. So when you, can, when you think about it, the parents are putting a lot of pressure on these athletic directors to get back and play. But, you know, talking about the Ivy League and, you know, making this decision – and you talked about the Ivy League producing, you know, professional athletes. You and your son were, were too. You know, you both played Ivy League ball. You both got drafted into baseball. You know, so the Ivy League is a productive league when it comes to athletes. You know, and you got to remember one thing about the Ivy League, and this is something that I had a little argument with my wife about last night. I'm going to say that probably 90% of all the athletes at the Ivy League level were recruited there to play a sport. They didn't go there because of the education. And they are smart because they have to do follow a protocol to get into the school, but they're all mostly recruited. And the Ivy League, you know, looking at the articles that you that that were talking about the Ivy League canceling the season, the Ivy League does not allow transfers to play a sport. You know why? Because if you're transferring into an Ivy League school, you better be transferring in because of an education, Correct. not of an athletic sport. Correct. Also, they do not allow graduates to play a sport. But in an article I read, I believe, and I'm not going to quote the name because I, I want to get it right and I don't want to get messed up here, but they said that they waived that. Okay, that's waived right now. So when the kid from, from Columbia moved over to Michigan, you know, maybe he didn't know that they waived it according to the article. But the article also said, and this is strange to me, Rick, very strange, that the Ivy League, yeah, I'm going to do, I am going to quote this one. They also said that they'll monitor the situation as they move forward so that our Ivy League universities can determine whether Ivy League principles and evolving health conditions might allow us for limited local competition later in the spring. And 
in a Yahoo article from yahoosports.com, it said that they are allowed to play non-conference games as long as they're within a 40-mile radius. Yes. So let me ask this question. Yeah. If I'm playing in the Ivy League, okay, um, I could get the COVID, of course, but if I go play other schools, you know, I'm not going to get it. I, I don't I, get why they're – if they're shutting down, why they allow them to go play outside of their league. The, um, the, the announcement now, that I had read, uh, I have to tell you, it was, um, it was particularly opaque – uh, in terms of trying to read and comprehend what they were trying to say. But I mean, the exactly. most I can make of is that saying, okay, we're not going to have any conference competitions. So the Ivy League itself, the uh, you know, th- that's not going to happen. But the athletes who can want to practice can practice. Uh, right. However, there might be that if things continue to improve with the, the COVID situation, there might be a chance where uh, you can play, the, the teams can compete locally against other non-Ivy League teams. So, for example, if uh, Harvard Baseball uh, decides, okay, well, things are getting better and, uh, you know, we're not, there's no Ivy League conference this year in 2021, but we could play right. teams like uh, Northeastern or... Um, uh, Fairfield or uh, any of those, or Boston College. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't even see Fairfield. That's right. too far away from Cambridge. But you know, a BC or or Northeastern or somebody like that or UMass Lowell. But they're not going to. I mean, it's just. Well, how how do you make the decision? How how does the baseball coach yeah. figure this out? He just runs practices and hope and pray that they get a few games sometime in May. It, it's very odd uh, because they just haven't had a chance. And I will tell you too, as I mentioned, there's a lot of pushback about this decision. Uh, a lot of the, oh, I uh, the know. athletes. I, I read that. I mean, the and and even the alums are are, are outraged about this uh, because they know that that they could provide uh, everyday testing, uh, rapid testing on the athletes if they really wanted to make sure sports took place at Harvard or in the Ivy League. Uh, I know Joe Sy, Joe Sy, who owns the Brooklyn Nets, uh, went to Yale, played lacrosse there. He's one of the leaders yeah. saying this is wrong. Let the kids get tested every day and let the kids go back and play in the Ivy League. So it's it's not a necessarily a popular um, decision. And again, it, what, what the, the curious of this is, we know Jack is the fact that that it's at the high school level around here, it's like it's like they're working in, in a different universe. It's like no, we're moving ahead. We're not. We don't care. We don't care. I mean, remember, I believe you, know, you know, go ahead. A year ago, a year ago, you and I were talking about this, and you know, and our hires to be, our you know, our government thought that it was just going to dissipate in the air and go away. But here yeah. we are, a year later, talking exactly about the same thing it, we talked about a year ago. You know, and according to the Yahoo, real, and then I'll, then I'll get off. The Yahoo's um, article said that the Ivy League's number one concern in canceling all, I, all Ivy League athletics, according to league play, was the safety of their students, athletes, faculty, and staff. And that was their number one cause. Yeah. And I agree with that. Yeah. And I agree that I don't personally think that at the high school level, and I understand why they want high school, because, you know, these kids are trying to get into a college. They're trying to get into and be recruited. And it's a very important thing to be seen, like you said before, and you were 150% correct, as a coach right now, as a college coach right now, and a recruiting coach, you can't tell by watching a kid swing a bat or field a ball exactly how they're going to react to, you know, uh, 
a mental breakdown or an error or how they react. So you have to watch these kids live. You've got to see them yep. play. And, you know, and that's where the mentality of the high school athlete and parent and even the athletic directors is coming from. You're, they're losing valuable, productive recruiting years. There's so, no question. You know, and, uh, Jack, great, let me, let me, uh, let me get – let me let you go. Thank you, as always. I'll get some more calls here. But I will just emphasize, yes, we had the same conversation just about a year ago. Uh, it's sort of like Groundhog Day, the, the movie. I mean, we have the same conversation over and over again about COVID and when is it safe for our kids to go back and play. I also want to uh, you know, echo the fact that, yes, the vast majority of Ivy League uh, athletes, uh, yes, they are recruited. Uh, remember, Ivy League is Division One. It's it's not it's not D three. It is Division One, and I can assure you that the coaches are out there looking at tape. But as Jack mentioned, and I said the same thing, they want to see guys and gals in person. They want to see what they're like on the field, on the court, on the ice, whatever it might be, in person. Um, yes, there are you know walk-ons uh, to sports uh, in the Ivy League, but for the most part. Uh, the, 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 kid, the teams are selected well in advance by the coaches who recruit each and every kid for their team. So they're, they're, they're frustrated, and they don't know if they're going to, you know, so I know I've read some reports, some kids have decided to see, well, I'll graduate early, then I'll transfer someplace, someplace, someplace else. Uh, it's really just uh, chaos, and we'll see how this begin, continues to play out uh, in the next few months as this, this ruling begins to really sink in with the Ivies. Let's continue with our calls. Let's go over to uh, John in Essex. Uh, John, good morning. You're next up on the fan. Uh, John, John's gone. Okay, let's go to... Uh, Let's go to Mike out in Long Beach. Hey, Mike. Good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning, Rick. I am walking the frozen tundra of the Long Beach boardwalk. Oh, jeez. I can only imagine. I'm the, only one, the only one out here, but I listen to you every week. Haven't called in a couple of years, and I'm glad to get on. Good. Um, I have listened over the last year to this topic. I had a daughter who graduated high school last year and unfortunately missed out on her spring track season, so I'm a parent who uh, can empathize with everything that's going on. The one thing that I don't understand when you reference the Ivies and you reference all the testing going on at the NBA and the college level, how it might be section seven or section eight is letting everything going on without testing. And the obvious answer is the schools obviously probably don't have the money. Correct. And that to me more on the indoor sports side than outdoor is just shocking that there's no, that they're letting the games go by and there's no testing. And to me, Every time I listen to the show and you have guests on, they either, either avoid that question or they talk about protocols and we're doing everything we can. I'd hang up right at that point because they're not doing everything they can because there's no testing. So you could literally have a team spread going on. And when I hear people saying, oh, well, we're taking temperatures. Can we end that, please? We know that's a joke. There's no temperatures when it comes to kids who are 16 or 17. But there's no testing going on. And especially we hear about what goes on ice hockey and potentially indoors with basketball or, God forbid, wrestling. I just don't get it. I'm, a more, I'm much more open-minded to the outdoor sports because I believe there was a one reported case of, at, even at the NFL level, of an in-game spread because we believe, obviously, that the virus dissipates and you'd have to be with someone for you know, a close period of time, 15 minutes or whatnot. But if you're posting up in basketball or wrestling constantly, I don't get how these schools – are going forward without testing. Mike, it, it is the you really have sort of pinpointed the the critical question here. 
Uh, I, I read a report the other day with the NBA when they had their bubble uh, over the summer. Uh, they spent something like $275 million to have uh, rapid testing on a daily basis, not just the players, but the staff, the workers, and so on and so forth. It's expensive to test. We know, obviously, the, 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 the big five conferences with deep pockets there have spent millions as well to test their athletes. But the high school level, let's be candid here, Nobody has that kind of budget put aside to test the athletes. Clearly, they should, because that would make, give everybody uh, at least a sense of, well, at least uh, there are no negative uh, or, or positive tests for COVID, and the kids are going to go out and compete. But, Mike, we haven't got that kind of money. It's not going to come from the local school board. It's not going to – you can go around to parents uh, and say, let's do fundraisers to maybe, uh, you know, through athletic booster clubs to do this. But, again – We've just went through a very, very terrible economy the last year. Money is tight. So the question is, and this is what I said before, it's a parental decision. <clears throat> I'm letting my kid play, and we hope and pray that, that he or she doesn't get COVID. And that's what's really sort of boiling down to. Because, again, it costs, it costs a lot of money. And, um, yeah, I think that you just nailed it. I mean, that's the problem. Yep. I, just, I just hope it works out because then you could ask yourself at the end of the day if one child gets seriously ill. Wasn't worth it, Mike. That's the thing that people don't want to talk about, uh, and that is, okay, if one child, one athlete, you know, gets uh, gets a disease and has serious complications, whether they become a long hauler, meaning they, the the disease stays with them for several years, and have all sorts of different kinds of implications, or they bring the disease home uh, to their parents or to their grandparents, their loved ones, that's a problem. Or God forbid that the child dies, then. People sort of say and say, well, you know, uh, you know, it was, it's a rarity. It's an exception to the rule. There's always an assumption of the risk when it comes to our kids playing sports. That's the problem. And, and unfortunately, uh, we don't have any answers. There are no solutions at this point. I, I wish that we had the money to, to test all the kids. But, again, the parents have decided, no, we're take, we'll take that chance with our youngsters and move ahead. And that's, that's yep. really what it boils down to. Mike, um, I, I, I'm glad you called in this morning because that's where, where we are. So, yep. I'll be in touch too. Great show as usual. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate the call. Uh, all right, let me let me take a pause here. Obviously, that's what Mike just hit. That's the problem here. Uh, and every parent who has a kid playing sports has to make that choice, and it's a tough one because you just don't know. We just don't know what's going to happen. One eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. When I return after these commercial messages, I'll go right back to your calls. Stay with me. New York's fan, sports radio one oh one nine FM, the fan, WFAN, New York. Now back here on the Sports Edge, uh, Howie Rose and Susan Waldman, they come along at 9 o'clock this morning with the uh, latest uh, notes and observations on the Mets and the Yankees. Uh, always good news to know that spring training is starting. It's uh, one of my favorite times of the year. Uh, and I always invite you to follow me on Twitter at AskCoachWolf. And my website is AskCoachWolf.com. Uh, you can be sure to check out all the various uh, sports parenting and sports psychology resources and books that are on uh, my website. We're talking right now about the, the decision to move ahead with high school sports. And again, we've been focusing about, about high school athletes uh, and obviously talking because they're the ones who obviously are going to compete. But again, as we heard from uh, one of the callers that about the officials, it's hard to find officials because most of them are older people who obviously are more vulnerable to the disease of COVID. 
COVID disease, but certainly let's not overlook the fact that we're talking about teachers as well, educators uh, who have to go in some, place, some cases they're, they're back in school, uh, hybrid situations, some they're working remotely, uh, and again, some cases that the teachers who have uh, uh, underlying uh, issues with their health, they've had to take a year off because they're afraid to go back. I mean, it's, 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 it's a terrible situation. Obviously, we're focusing this morning just on, on school and, and student athletes, but again, uh, that, of course, is the, the nature of what we're talking about here on the Sports Edge. Let's continue with our calls. Let's go to uh, John over in Dumont. Uh, good morning, John. You're next up on the fan. John, are you there? Yes, I am. How, Go ahead, how are you doing today? Good. Uh, I was just talking to my wife, and we have a son that graduated from the University of Pennsylvania playing baseball. Yes. And um, just thinking of what a disaster it would have been if during his junior and senior year in high school, he didn't get the chance to play baseball at all. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and also I was thinking about it as bad as that would have been when he was in college, if all of a sudden as a junior – or a senior, or a sophomore, and a junior, those two years, if he had to give up baseball. I mean, that was his own... At, at UPenn, he majored in engineering. The, the only time he really had a chance to be with regular, with regular people there was the baseball team. And uh, to give that up, I I can't imagine what's got to be so tough for the athletes. John, this is exactly what we're talking about this morning. The, the, the sports parents of kids in high school, they basically have said, look, enough already. We're, we're seeing sports on television. Uh, we know there's always a risk. We know there's always a, an assumption of the risk that my, my youngster could go out and, and uh, hurt their knee or, or whatever it might be. Now, again, COVID may have much more serious complications, not just for the athlete, but for their entire family. But the parents are saying, you know, it's, we, we set out for a year. We are doing our precautions. We are doing this. We are doing that. Let's move ahead and take this because we know that younger people are not so much affected by, by the disease. But as you just said, John, it, it's, it's, it's just uh, heartbreaking for parents and their kids to have to go through this. Uh, and, you know, as you said, he, your son would have been going nuts if he were caught in the same <laughs> yeah. predicament. So it's as simple as that. Let me, let me move on. Thanks for the call, John. Uh, let's go next over to Brandon in Marlboro. Hey, Brandon, you're next up on the fan. Hey, good morning, guys. How are we doing? Uh, are thanks for taking the call. I'm a former uh, Division One baseball athlete. I'm about 10 years removed. Uh, this is my perspective from a student-athlete perspective. Uh, I'm doing everything in my power to make sure I'm on that field playing baseball. If I need to wear a mask like Clint Fraser in the outfield, then I'm wearing a mask. Yep. Uh, I, think, I think we need to take the risk, uh, you know, you have to. Uh, there's no other way that these college coaches are able to see these kids um, other than in person. Um, I think video. I, I'm not. I don't like videos and stuff like that. I think that the college coaches need to see these kids in action. Um, and that's uh, pretty much it. Thanks for taking the call. Thanks, Brandon. And I hear you loud and clear. And I, I, I do know that. Uh, and again, I've said this before. And as a former college coach myself, look. It's video is nice. We know that uh, video can be edited and, and so on and so forth to just be a, a total highlight reel. But if you're a serious college coach and you want to see an athlete and you're considering an athlete as a, po a prospective uh, person to come into your program, 
you got to see that kid not just once but several times to see how they conduct themselves, how they carry themselves uh, on the field, uh, not only when things are going well in terms of uh, you know having a great day, but also when things aren't going well. How do they deal with adversity? You, you just sit there and you observe and you watch. Uh, you see how the youngster interacts with their teammates. Are they popular? Are they loners? Uh, how does the, the head coach of the, of the high school team you know, work with the kid? How does the kid deal with, with umpires or officials and referees and other sports? But you got to get a sense of watching the kid the, in a very sort of holistic way. Uh, and, quite frankly, and this is <laughs> the, the age in which we live, you also want to have a chance to quality observe the kid's parents at the kid's games to see if the mom and dad are watching quietly as well or are they actually involved in it all and are they, are they loud? Are they, are they uh, you know, basically you know, walking around the team bench to see what's going on? You want to get a sense of what kind of uh, you know, uh, parents you're recruiting as well uh, of the kid you're looking at. So yes, you have to, it's so much better to see the youngster in person. And again, not just for one game, but for several games, if you can, that's why recruiting is, is such a time-consuming and difficult prospect. It's as simple as that. Let's move on. Let's go to uh, let's go over to Fort Lee in Jersey. John, uh, good morning. You're on the fan. Hey, Rick. How are you? Uh, long time, uh, over 30 years, head uh, a head basketball coach in North Jersey, coaching yes. currently right now. My own son mm-hmm. is a freshman on our own JV team. Um, I'm going to be going from basketball right into the head coach of a girls volleyball team. And then I'm also going to be umpiring, uh, you know, a full slate of varsity girls softball. So okay. I'm involved heavy duty. But yes. the one thing I want to tell you is I have, and this is strange, but I have never had a, a better year of coaching than I'm having right now. These kids on my team, I got 21 kids on our JV and varsity. They don't miss practice. They love being there. They don't run out of the gym. They're not, you know, getting ready. Like a lot of times at this time of the year, if a kid may not be playing a lot, he's getting ready for baseball or he's getting ready for a spring sport. These kids want to be in the gym. Their mental health. My son, he, he's he got his stuff on ready to go every day. <laughs> These kids are, and I know there is a risk, but let me tell you something. And, and like I said, I'm in North Jersey. The risks are coming when kids go to the parties and all of that other stuff. Right. We follow, all, you know, again, I know the temperature checks may not be perfect and this and that, but we're not getting it from each other. My kids don't go to those things. They, they've held off. They wanted to have a season. We've played nine games of a 15-game schedule, and we're on track to get all our games in. But the, the best thing for me is these kids, just watching these kids come in the gym. They love it. They don't want to leave. John, kids who are hurt even come to practice, and you know, even though you're supposed to. But a lot of times, when a kid gets hurt, he's like, "I'm done." These kids come to; they just want to get out. They want to be with their friends for their mental health. There's something to be said, as you just mentioned, John, about the fact that, you know, for again, the the phrase I come back to is for better or for worse. Kids grow up uh, and have grown up for a long, long time where sports are sort of taken for granted. Uh, there's always going to be sports. I can always play sports. Um, but now with the pandemic, for the first time in these kids' young lives, they've been confronted with the reality that, you know, maybe I won't have a chance to play basketball this year or, or baseball or softball, whatever the sport may be. And so when they go to a chance to go to practice or play in games, they're saying this is special and this is really 
really important and meaningful to me for all the reasons you just listed. It gives them a chance exactly. to be with their friends. Uh, they're going to listen they to it. They appreciate it. They appreciate it. And, and obviously, this is something that they can circle on their calendar like, oh, I got practice today. I can't. I want to make sure I'm there early and I'm, I'm, I want to do the best I can. And if I want to you know, linger afterwards, that's good too. But they want to get out of the house and they want to feel like they're, they're living their dream. Again, exactly. We we we've we've always had this mentality that sports are there forever, but now when it's sort of taken away, boy oh boy, when they have a chance to come back, uh, as you said, John, this is it's kind of it's kind of a, a paradox. But as you said you probably had your most enjoyment coaching this year because the kids are attentive and want to be there, and you know. Gosh, that, that, that's, that's a wonderful feeling, and we hope that continues uh, into the years to come. It's as simple as that. Yeah, thanks. Great thanks. show, and uh, again, thanks. Yeah, Th- exactly. Thanks, John. Thanks for checking in, and I appreciate that perspective. Again, it's, 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 it's just unusual the kind of impact this disease has had, this pandemic has had, and the way it's had its manifestations on, on coaches everywhere and on the kids. As simple as that. The kids just are no longer taking sports for granted. Let's continue. Let's go to, um, let's go to Rob out in Lake Success. Hey, Rob, good morning. You're on the fan. Hey, Rick. Good morning. I want to tell you something. That was a great call. And all, all, the whole, whole show has been great because I'm hearing all different opinions. Here's my thought on this. Number one, uh, listen, my daughter, she was eight years. She was a swimmer in high school and junior high school. Uh, and in the college level, she's chosen not to, you know, continue her swimming. She wants to get her education. But one thing I want to go talk about is I think these, like the previous caller, high school sports, these kids, this is maybe the only time they're ever going to get a chance to play, be at that level to compete. Because when you get to college, you might not make the team. You might not get to that level. I was fortunate. I did. A lot of your callers, the, the, the previous baseball player who, who's 10 years removed, I thought that was a great call as well. Yep, yep. You get that one opportunity to participate in a high school, you know, college, high school teams. And this is something these kids are dying to get. They never get another chance because once they're out of high school, you don't get that chance again. They might not get to play at the next level. And this is something they should have that opportunity. Rick, we are 10% of the population now has gotten the vaccine 20 to 25 percent of the population has already had the virus so right about a third of the country is somewhat protected it's time to go forward have an opportunity to move you continue going in in a positive direction yes we have to be cautious we have to do all the proper protocol to protect you know getting the disease going forward but we have to go forward, Rick, and that's really my, my point. These kids are only going to have this one opportunity, and the previous call hit it on the head. They should have that chance. We have to take, we have to take the chance and move forward, and thank you for letting me get on. Yeah, well, Rob, thank you. Uh, interesting perspective, and again, I think, I think Rob has basically uh, sort of capsulized what a lot of the sports parents feel, that uh, we are you know, proceeding with the vaccination. Uh, we are aware, everybody's fully aware of the pandemic and how important it is to be protective and to wear a mask or two masks uh, and, and to get the vaccine as soon as you can and, and so on and so forth. But they also are trying to balance this 
with the fact that kids who have dreams in high school uh, athletics uh, and want to be seen by college coaches and want to be recruited, that they, they're plus the fact they're losing out on these. You only have four years to play high school sports, and we've already lost one year. Uh, and the question is, how, how do we get back to speed? Uh, we know that a lot of the, the seasons have been compressed tightened uh, travel restrictions, uh, attendance numbers, uh, a lot of rules are in place. But the fact of the matter is, as, as, as John from Fort Lee mentioned, if nothing else, the kids today are now beginning to wake up and say, God, I really, really love sports, and this is important to me in my life, and uh, uh, I really want to make sure that I, I get the practice, and I'll do exactly what the coaches say, and I'll be attentive, and I'll work hard, because this is something that is important to me. And, you know, you know, again, it, it's sort of a, a sort of a odd sort of, uh, impact that that COVID is having on our kids, but and then the other thing is that we're we're putting we're teaching our kids a sense of responsibility, uh, uh, you know, at a much younger age, uh, telling them that it's up to them to to follow all the safety protocols, to be concerned uh, that if um, if things don't work out, uh, they could run a risk in terms of their health or their family's health and, or, or even their friend's health. So I, I, I think, again, sort of the, uh, if you can call it a silver lining in all this, is the fact that kids are, are beginning to, to wake up at earlier ages and realize I have to be held accountable and I don't want to be the one that tests positive. Uh, so all of a sudden, all of a, you know, the, the, our team is now, our, whatever our short schedule is, it's canceled. Kids are learning. Kids are learning to live with COVID because they have they know that sports is important to them and important to their friends and teammates. And, and, and quite frankly, they want to make sure that they have a chance to compete in sports. So, again, the, the, the general consensus I'm getting, and this is what you hear as well, is that high school sports are going to continue uh, very tentatively. And we'll hope and pray that uh, we all have positive uh, situation for all of our kids. Okay, that's going to do it for me in this edition of the Sports Edge. My thanks this morning to Ed Arzuman. Please stick around for Susan and Howie. I'll see you next Sunday right here on the Sports Edge. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 